So anyways, we've been doing a series over the last uh, few weeks actually called Relation Fit. How many of you guys have been here for at least one or two of those sermons? Yeah, they've been great, man. They've been awesome. I have to say the best one was my wife's. She crushed it for sure. So good. She did a message on loving yourself, which was super powerful. If you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to it yet on the podcast, I, I want to encourage you to do that tonight. Like when you're laying down to go to sleep, listen to that podcast. It will bless your life for sure. And then last week we had my parents in town, and that was super fun. You got to hear some of our story, especially some of my antics as a kid and how crazy and uh, troublesome that I was. Uh, but also at the same time, hear stories of breakthrough, and hopefully that blessed you guys and how you interact with your family. I really feel this week that we're going to continue the series right in step with where we left off last week. We talked about family. We talked about natural family. We talked about church family. And so what I want to do tonight is continue that series and talk about covenant friendships. That's what I want to talk about tonight. Uh, maybe some of you guys have heard of covenant friendships before, but I want you to know that's what we're going after as a church, as a family, as a community, is building, finding, discovering, establishing, and cultivating covenant friendships amongst one another. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but when you're, when you're in Nashville, you go around to a coffee shop or you know maybe you're shopping or something and everyone talks to you. Have you guys noticed that? Like Southern hospitality is not dead. In Nashville, you go to a coffee shop, people are like, yo, what's up? What's your name? Where'd you get that tattoo? Dude, love your jeans, right? I don't know. Those are things we say to each other, right? And then we come to church, and we stand next to somebody, and we worship for two hours straight, and we never talk to them. You guys notice that? I mean, I think there's a problem in that. That's why we're always saying, hey, hug your neighbor, shake their hand, give them a high five, you know, something like that, because we want you guys connecting with each other. And that's a super important component for us as we're going after building and cultivating families that we know each other, yeah. that we're actually really friends, that we hang out with each other even when there's not a small group program to force us to. Am I preaching yet, right? You know, but a lot of times I think as Christians what we do is we outsource our responsibility to the church for community. You guys with me? So you come to the church and you're like, I wonder what programs they have here so that will, that will um, allow me to make some friends. But what I want to say to you is that we're investing responsibility into you. And we declare that you are a powerful person, that you're a courageous person, and that you have the capacity to build friends aside from somebody trying to force you to do it. Does that make sense? So I want to talk to you guys tonight about covenant friendships because I've, I feel that we're all called to cultivate them, not, not out of manipulation or control, but simply because that's an inheritance that Jesus Christ died and paid for so that we could enjoy in life today, real, rich, meaningful, and deep friendships with one another and with our family. So for me, um, when I first got saved, it was kind of a buzzword. Anybody else in here? Maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe you've been saved longer than me or, or maybe not so long. But, but I heard people saying covenant friendship all the time or covenant relationship. You guys remember hearing this at all five, six, seven, eight years ago? And for me, I was immediately uh, like enthralled by the idea of covenant friendship because, because of its radical nature. It's like, I'm going to covenant with you, dog. 
you know, and I'm like, yes, I'm going to covenant with you, you know, for the rest of my life, you know, I'll take a bullet for you, bro. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, there's this radical nature about it. And so when I first got saved, it was like anybody that I was close to, I was like, covenant brother right here. It's a covenant brother. You guys know what I'm talking about. You guys remember that? You're like, Miss covenant sister. You're my covenant sister. I'm never going to leave. You know, I'm just always going to be in your life. To be honest with you guys, I kind of wish I wouldn't have done those things because I can't name even one friendship of, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago that I was like, you're my covenant brother, you're my covenant sister, that is, is very strong today. So I, I don't know if that's been your experience. Maybe that's just been, been, been my experience. But what that led me to believe was that covenant relationships or covenant friendships were simply not possible. I would hear people talk about covenant relationships, and I would just, like, chalk that up to, like, youthful zeal and naivety. Is that how you say that word? Like, that's not really possible. Like, that's, that's fun to say. Like, that's cute, like, when you're young and you're zealous. But that's not really possible. I guess I'm going to have to resign the fact that covenant friendships are not really real. We're only going to have covenant relationships with our immediate family and then our spouses. Because at some point, you know, most of our friends are going to turn their back on us. See, maybe that's not your story. Maybe that's just been my story. But that's kind of where I came to not even just like a year ago. I thought, you know, I have friends. Sure, I have friends. Don't get me wrong. But at some point, like, that friendship's going to unravel. And the only people that I can really count on are, are my spouse and my immediate family. I mean, this was the idea that I bought into, which is, is not good. Can we all agree that that's not good? That, that's some of my story. And maybe that's been your story where you've been hurt as a result of vowing your love to a friend before. Maybe not a, maybe not a best friend. How about a boyfriend or a girlfriend where you were like, hey, I'm, 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 vow, I'm vowing to you to always give you my love. Thank God that the Lord did not back up my terrible vows because of my high school crushes. You know what I'm saying? But I'm sure that we all have that experience. And, and maybe in that season of your life, you, you made statements like, I'm going to be your best friend forever. Nothing is going to separate us. Doesn't matter where you move or where I move. Doesn't matter who you marry or I marry. We're always going to be best friends. How many of you guys made statements like that? I'm sure a few of you. Or how many of you guys were in a romantic relationship where you were like, I love you and I always will. I will never leave you. I promise. You even got a promise ring or something. You know what I'm saying? Remember when they used to have that? They came to my school. They were like doing promise rings. I was like, that's corny. So I got a promise ring, but it was a pinky ring, so I could still be gangster. Anyways, it's another sermon. But, you know, the reality is, is that these are serious statements. When you say that to somebody, like, I vow my love to you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm always going to be with you. Like, those are serious statements. You guys know that, right? And, and we take them very seriously until we get really hurt. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm not just talking about a little hurt. I'm talking about really hurt. And you're probably having someone's name like flash in your mind right now of having that experience where they vowed their love to you. You vowed your love to them and you don't have a relationship with them anymore. And when this pain takes place, 
we stop making the vows we once did and we start making other vows. Uh, they sound something like this. I'll never give my heart away like that ever again. You guys with me? Or if someone wants to be my friend, they're going to have to earn it. I'll never let anybody get that close to me again. So we, start, we, we, start, we, we exchange the vows we made before after our pain for vows like these. And I regret to say to you guys that I've actually made statements like this myself. And I really did believe that the only deep and rich relationships that I would have uh, would be with my immediate family. That was my resolve. And um, I knew I would always have friends, don't get me wrong. But my, my belief about relationship was more like networking. And, and a lot of times, I think especially here in Nashville, is that we don't do real relationship, but we do networking, and we call it relationship. If you're in a relationship with someone uh, for what you can get from them rather than what you can give to them, you're not doing friendship, you're doing networking. We've gotten so good at this that we've confused communication for connection. So we get on Facebook and on Instagram, and we're communicating, but we're not really connecting. And so we had this, you know, we had this walk in our life where we sometimes feel empty, especially on our bad days, and we say things to ourselves like, you know, I don't have any friends, but you got 8,000 followers on Instagram. You guys with me? We get, we're really good at communicating, not that good at connecting. And so I really think that God wants to break us out of this belief that the only way we're going to have good friendships is when there's a benefit attached. And I think he wants to pull us in to covenant friendships, and I think he wants to start with our church community, and I think he wants to give you hope that deep, meaningful covenant friendships are absolutely possible in your life again. All right? So for me, I felt like that I had been scared away by the intensity of covenant because of things that I'd said when I was younger or relationships that I'd had that have gone bad. And I said to myself, you know, I just don't think this is possible. But then God, right? God has this way of teaching you in one moment uh, what you learned through a lot of bad experiences over a lifetime or over a few years. It only, it only takes a moment for God to undo years of bad theology. You know, just one moment. And this year, what's interesting about 16 is that God has brought some friends into my life that honestly have taught me otherwise. And through, through these relationships, God has taken me on a journey. And I've really been learning about the necessity of friendship and the opportunity that we've all been given for deep covenant friendships. And one of these guys, you'll know him because he spoke here. His name is Jason Peaks. Do you guys remember when Jason preached for us? Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, listened to that podcast or not, but that was probably the best sermon that I, list, that I heard all year. It was so good. And uh, it's on the podcast as well, so you should definitely check it out. I mean, I was like ugly crying like this <laughs> in my shirt for like half of his sermon. And you ever have somebody in your life that just like pursues you and like doesn't stop until you finally get it that they love you? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had that experience before, but Jason 
was that experience for me. Because when I first met him, um, you know, I'm used to meeting preachers and pastors. And a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll kind of, I'm kind of like scared. I'm like, what are they going to say? Are they going to ask me like for all these metrics of like where our church is at or how big it is? Like what are they going to say? And uh, Jason came in such a different spirit. And even when we first started to get to know each other, I thought, man, this guy's really excited about being my friend, but this won't last. And I want you guys to know that we're a year plus into friendship now, and he and I probably text every day. Because he's just relentless with his love. And God has used this man to shift the way I do friendship and shift the way I communicate and I connect with other people. And for the first time in my life, I'm having other preachers say to me the same thing I've said to Jason, which is like, dude, you're real. Like, you actually really love me, and you check on me, and you pray for me, and you send me voice memos when I'm not feeling well. You guys ever do that Christian thing where you're like, I'm praying for you, but you don't pray for them? You guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, hey, I, hey I'm, I'm praying for you. And you're in your heart, you're like, no, nah, I ain't going to pray for you. Look, the voice memo is your friend, right? Somebody texts you, said, hey, man, pray for me. I'm sick. Dude, just voice memo immediately. That's, the, that's the, some of the best feedback I can give you. Just voice memo right away and just say, and just pray for a minute and, 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 and bless them. So I, I think that this, this story, you know, God's taught me something. I really do believe God wants to teach our church something, which is about covenant friendships. And I really want to invite you guys into this journey of building, cultivating covenant friendships and in, in your own life. And when I thought about covenant in the Bible, you know, covenant is kind of a hard word to define. Because when you look at it in the scripture, we have the New and the Old Testaments, but that word is really just the word covenant right there. And when you look at covenant relationships in the Bible, you see tons of, well, at least a handful of covenant relationships that God has with people, but you don't see a lot of covenant relationships that people have with people. And we have David and Jonathan, and I thought about preaching on that, but then as I prayed about it more, I really felt like that the core of the message tonight needed to come from Jesus' covenant relationships that he had with his disciples. And so that's where I want to start. So if you have your Bible, just open it up to John chapter 15. I'm going to read verse 12 through 16. And I really want us to get a picture of how Jesus does covenant relationship, how Jesus does covenant friendship, because to understand covenant and friendship, we need to look no further than our Savior. Jesus actually purely embodies covenant friendship with both God and man. And so we can just look to him in John 15 here. This is what he says. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. You, you notice there it doesn't say, this is my suggestion. You guys seeing that? This is my option if you feel like it once you've had some coffee and right? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love, I love this passage, greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. That, that right there is super interesting. Do you notice that, that Jesus says that you're a friend of God if you obey God? What's the first thing that pops into our head? You mean I have to obey you to be your friend? That seems pretty controlling. 
Isn't that interesting? But see, that's the pathway into deep friendship with Jesus is actually obedience to Jesus because the closer you get to God, the more time you spend with God, you recognize that his commandments are not burdensome, but they actually lead you into more life and joy. So he says, hey, you're my friends if you do what I tell you to do. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. So what happens here is Jesus actually explains in this passage what covenant friendship is. And this is what covenant friendship is, guys. This is my best definition of covenant friendship. Jesus teaches us that covenant friendship is a sacred connection between people characterized by faithfulness. It is a mutual commitment to love, responsibility, and action. So if you've ever wondered, what does that mean to make a covenant with someone? What does that mean to have a covenant friendship? It mean, it, it's a sacred connection between people characterized by faithfulness. It is a mutual commitment to love, responsibility, and action. So if we're going to build covenant friendships in our own life, we need to consider the implications of John 15 and how Jesus did covenant relationship with his disciples. So the first point that I want to make tonight concerning how Jesus did covenant friendship with his disciples is this. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus did not wait to be picked. You notice that in, at the end of John 15, verse 16, said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Picture this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, this is Matthew 4, 18 through 20, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. When Jesus said, follow me, he was obviously calling Peter and Andrew to be his disciples. And this was unlike any other religious teacher before him. Jesus was the first one to come on the scene and say, follow me. Every religious teacher, especially, uh, you know, rabbis continuing that tradition, they would come onto the scene and then people would come and would follow them as a result of the pupil going to the teacher. But Jesus reversed the system and he was the teacher that went to the pupil. He was the first person to ever do that. He didn't just invite people to himself. He went to the people that he chose. He went to the people that he wanted. He went to the people that he was calling into friendship with him. And that's exactly what he did. He said, Peter and Andrew, follow me. Because he put them on a path not just to be a disciple, but to be a friend. So that's what Jesus did. And I think that today what we do is we spend far too much time and energy waiting to be picked. If you want to have deep and meaningful friendships, then you must begin to pursue them rather than waiting on people to pick you. Perhaps you've decided on a few people that you would like to be friends with. But they're not even aware of the fact that you want to be friends with them and you're waiting on them to catch the revelation that you're really cool and the whole time pining away in disappointment and discouragement because you've yet to connect to this person that you really want to be friends with. Can I be honest with you guys? They probably don't even know that you want to connect with them. 
So it's up to you to take the initiative and go to them, introduce yourself, and connect with them. Amen? And so we're often afraid of rejection. That's why we don't do this. We're afraid of being rejected because we've experienced it at some point in the past. But the Bible does not say how many people that Jesus said, follow me to. Perhaps he called several. Perhaps he called dozens before he called Peter and Andrew. We don't know that, but we know that Peter and Andrew were the first ones to follow. We do know that Jesus pursued. And if you want covenant friendships, you must be willing to pursue. All right? And then I would say just, you know, as a connection, you have to give people permission to choose their own friendships. Does that make sense? Just because we pursue somebody and we say, hey, I want to connect with you. I want to be your friend. I want to hang out with you. Does not mean that they have to do that. Right? So we, we have to come to a place of maturity. We have to come to a place of courage. We have to come to a place of being unoffendable that we can continue and consistently pursue covenant friendships despite, despite how many people have not followed us when we called to them from the shoreline. You guys with me? Awesome. So that's the first point. The first point is <clears throat> Jesus didn't wait to be picked. Here's the second point when it comes to Jesus and his covenant friendships. Jesus... Didn't have too many. All right? Now, I think this is a very interesting thing to point out about the life of Jesus, who was God. Can I get two good amens? Amen. If Jesus has a capacity, that means we do too. Can I get another good amen? Right? And so Jesus, you know, he had 12 disciples. But we often see something interesting happen in the life and journey of Jesus. Jesus calls three of his closest friends to share certain experiences with him. Maybe you'll remember this on the Mount of Transfiguration. Matthew 17 and 1 says, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. So whenever something big was going to happen, it was, it was interesting to, to notice as you read the Bible that there was always these three disciples with Jesus. They were Peter, James, and John. In Matthew 26... In verse 37, it says, And taking with him Peter and the, and the two sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, he, 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 be, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So when, when Jesus went to the mountain of transfiguration, he had Peter, James, and John. When uh, Jesus performed certain miracles, he had Peter, James, and John. And then at the end of his life and his earthly ministry, uh, he was going to the Garden of Gethsemane where he cried out in anguish. And who did he have with him? Peter, James, and John. He had, his, he, had his, he had his close three with him, right? So we know that Jesus had relationship with his family. Jesus modeled something really awesome for us. Even as being God himself, he came and he spent 30 years sowing into relationship with his family before he started his earthly ministry, which I think is pretty interesting. Jesus had his family. Jesus had his disciples. And then Jesus had his three. If we're going to pursue and build covenant friendships we have got to become honest about our capacity because you cannot have covenant friendship with just anyone or everyone at the same time. Not possible. 
How many of you guys have ever heard somebody talk about their quote-unquote inner circle before? You guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, you're in my inner circle, right? I've used this analogy tons of times because it's always helped me to categorize the people in my life. It's like, hey, you're in, you're out. Got my inner circle, yo. You know what I'm saying? Like you have this inner circle. I got my three, and it's tight. Good luck busting in this, buddy. Because that's how, that's how we act sometimes. Got my inner circle. Sometimes God brings relationships into our life that are amazing, and then we get confused as to where to compartmentalize them. Well, I already got an inner circle. Sorry. Can't get in here. It's too tight. High wall. Somebody else got to get out before you can get in. So then you start thinking, which one of my friends am I going to kick out of my inner circle? Because I like that person better. And I just don't have time for an extra friend. So you just stop answering text messages from that part. I've been really busy. Got a new friend. It's in the inner circle now. <laughs> Everybody's like kind of quiet, kind of awkwardly laughing because you know I'm telling the truth. I only have so much time. You know, got work and Netflix and <laughs> I mean, you got time to pray? No. Netflix browsing history has determined that was a lie. Anyways, um, started meddling. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. It's like that's one of my favorite memes ever. You guys know that daytime talk show host, Maury, who always does like the, the real parent reveal or whatever. And there's a meme that says, no time to pray. And it's Maury with a paper. He says, your Netflix browsing history determined that was a lie. So funny. I'm going to retweet that tonight. Check it out. So I understand, like, this whole idea of, of um, inner circles, right? Because I've, I've used this analogy many times. But um, i got to be honest with you guys. I've learned something just recently. And I think that a circle is actually far too rigid to accurately illustrate life's relationships. Because there's a little bit more flux in real life, in, in life's relationships, right? And so I think actually what we need to be more mindful of are relational orbits. So let me just introduce this concept to you, okay? So think about relational orbits in the, in the context of, like, consider our solar system, all right? I'm not trying to go all scientific on you, but consider our solar system, and in the same way that planets orbit the sun at varying distances, I believe that people orbit us at varying distances depending upon the season of our life we're in. See what I'm saying? So, like, in, in some seasons, they're really, really close, and then in others, they're really far away, but that doesn't mean they're, they're outside of our universe, you get what I'm saying? So we need to take the constraints off of thinking, I gotta have this circle, I gotta protect it, it's gotta be all tight, and become a little bit more comfortable with some ebb and flow in our relationships and look at it more not just as circles but as relational orbits. Is this good? Is this helpful? 
So the people, newsflash, the people that you're closest to in this season may or may not be those that you're closest to in the next season of your life. For those of you guys who know that, just say amen. amen. And guess what, guys? That is okay. Friendships, they ebb and they flow. And when we understand that friendships are more elastic than they are rigid, we set ourselves up for relational success in every season of life. Just because somebody right now is not close to you doesn't mean they've, they've fallen out of your universe, right? It, it just may be a different season, and their orbit may be coming back around. All right? You don't have to write them off. Here, here's, here's another principle that I, that I, that I believe is true. It, if you feel like a constant pressure to secure all of your covenantal friends right now, just let that go. Because you're not going to be build all of your covenantal relationships in one season of life. A lot of times we think like in our early 20s or our mid-20s or even now. I mean, I'm 31, you know, this pressure that I feel like i got to decide who I'm going to do life with. You're going to do life with, I'm preaching to myself, but we're going to do life with so many more people that we don't even expect to right now. And then so many people who we're not sure about are going to be with us when we look up and we're down the road 30 years. Because it takes a lifetime to grow rich relationally. This is not a microwave concept. It's a crockpot situation. All right? That's, it's, it's a slow-cooked meal. All right? That's covenant relationships. You give it time to marinate. Stay patient. Some friends that you have, <clears throat> some friends that you have, that have left your life will return. Let me just say that to you emphatically. Some friends that have left your life will return, and some that are yet to enter are on their way. Amen? Amen. So that's my second point. My second point is Jesus didn't have too many when it came to covenantal friendships. If, you, if you've had covenantal friendships in the past, it doesn't necessarily mean because you're not as close to them today that they're not, they're not still covenant friends. Okay, they may come back around in another season. You guys with me? Does that bring you any hope at all? Because it does for me, because I know for me in times I get confused. I'm like, that's a covenant friend. Why haven't I seen them? I really carry them in my heart. It could just be an orbit situation. All right, so here's the third point. Jesus didn't give up. When it came to covenant friendships, Jesus didn't give up. Here, here's the interesting thing is that uh, Jesus was, from the time he was walking the shore and he said, Peter and Andrew, he said, come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Three years go by. Now, before you make a covenantal relationship with someone, it's probably a good idea to wait at least three years. You know what I'm saying? Like Jesus took three years before he really knew the character of his disciples. In three years, Judas sold him out for 30 pieces of silver and then hung himself. Three years, his closest confidant, Peter, who was so boastful about protecting Jesus, actually denied him three times not far from his face. So it's, you have to walk through various seasons of life with people before you actually really get to know them. And I think that three years is a great rule of thumb. Like you're going to walk through every possible season, for the most part, close to it, in three years with somebody. Like you're going to see them at their best and you're going to see them at their worst. And if you're thinking about making a commitment to somebody that you haven't, have not yet seen at their worst, <coughs> think it through. 
I, th- I mean, personally, I think you learn more from people by seeing them at their worst than you do seeing them at their best. Yeah. I think that you learn more from your leadership by seeing them at your, their worst than you do by seeing them at their best. And that's part of covenant as well. So Jesus, Jesus didn't give up because when we see, you know, Judas selling them out and then Peter denying him after three years of friendship, we see that Jesus doesn't turn his back on his disciples, right? So I, I'm, I'm sure that a friend has or it's, has sold you out in the past. I'm sure that you guys have all had that experience. Perhaps a friend just this last week has been gossiping about you or has slandered you. They may have turned their back on you, and now they pretend like you don't even exist, like you're dead to them now. They don't talk to you anymore. And maybe they were as close to you as Peter was to Jesus. Maybe that's the same experience that you've had. But when the covenant is challenged, when somebody gossips, slanders, turns their back on you, does something that that just hurts you to the core like Peter did to Jesus, you actually have a choice to make. Are you going to uphold the covenant? Are you going to continue in this deep and meaningful friendship? Or are you going to abandon the relationship and close your heart up completely? I think it's very interesting that the one closest to Jesus, you know, was the one that denied him not far from his face three times at the worst possible moment in Jesus' life. His best friend, the one that said, you can count on me when you can't count on anybody else. His best friend. Despite the fact that Jesus, you know, prophetically could see into the future and say, dude, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times, right? Jesus tells Peter that. It still hurt Jesus' heart. It still hurt Jesus' feelings that, that Peter denied him. We cannot forget that he was fully human as well. And when Jesus resurrects on the third day and Mary Magdalene and a few others go to the tomb to visit him, we know that he's, he's not in the tomb. The tomb is empty. And then there's an angel there. And this is what the angel says. It says, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. Don't you think this is interesting? That the angel said to Mary Magdalene, go tell the disciples and Peter, right, Why? Because Peter had made up his mind to abandon his covenant with Jesus. Peter had said, hey, I'm not doing this anymore, man. I I abandoned my covenant with Jesus. But here's the gospel. Jesus had not abandoned his covenant with Peter. He said, go tell my disciples and, and get Peter, the one who thinks that he has severed the covenant and he's gone fishing and he says, I denied him so many times to his face and I was so close to Jesus. But I've done the unforgivable. I'm going back to my old gig. I can't even be seen around believers anymore. And yet Jesus says, hey, you, hey, disciples, come up. But and you, you, the one that's ashamed, the one that's embarrassed, the one that used to be so zealous, so passionate about me, you've turned your back on me, and I say, and you, because you're in this crew too. You may have abandoned your covenant with me, but I will never abandon my covenant with you. Jesus says, go get Peter and bring him here. Peter was fishing, man. He was suffering in shame. He was embarrassed. He probably believed that his relationship with Jesus was over and that he would never, ever be accepted ever again. Jesus won't accept me. 
You know, here, I, I, was, I, was, I was right there. I was the closest to him. I cut off that guy's ear. I was the most passionate person. And yet, I denied him. How can I go back? How can I go back and face the other disciples? How can I go back to church on Sunday? They all saw me fall. You guys know what I'm talking about. But Jesus invited Peter back into close relationship with him. Peter could have refused, but Jesus would have continued to keep his heart open. And this is what Jesus does for us all. Jesus gives us a picture, perfect posture of how he feels about all the covenant breakers in the world. It's the cross. When he opens his arms up and says, come to me. That's Jesus' posture. And I think that we all have something to learn from Jesus when people break covenant with us and they turn their back on us and they say, I'm not, I, I, you're dead to me. I forget you even exist. Don't text me. Don't call me. I'm blocking you on Facebook. I hate you. And maybe you didn't even do anything to deserve that in the same way that Jesus didn't do anything to deserve that. But I think there's something about covenant that we have to learn from Jesus, and that is this, that we can't give up so easy. Jesus expects us to continue to love people even when they turn their backs on us, even when they slander us, even when they talk bad about us, even when they gossip about us, even when they make up stories, they make up lies, and they tell people that we're close to, and we feel embarrassed. Jesus teaches us to continue to love those people. Now, I want you guys to hear this and hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying that we should allow people to abuse us. I don't believe that. But I believe that keeping our hearts open to God's plan for our relationships can help us heal and heal broken covenantal relationships that he has ordained for our lives. There are people, I believe it with all my heart, guys, there are people that God has ordained for you to be in relationship with and maybe they've hurt you and mistreated you. But I, I just want to say, don't give up on them in your heart. You know, there have there, been people in my life that I have brought close to me, as close as a brother. I said, man, I make a covenant relationship with you. I'm always going to be with you. We're going to be doing this thing together, man, until we're 90. We're going to fight over who's going to preach whose funeral. And, and, and some of those people, man, have made up stuff. You know, they, they've said nasty things to me. They've been mean to me. They've been harsh with me, you know. And to be honest with you guys, like, as I'm studying this and I'm praying into this, my heart's open to them like never before. Because I'm like, man, if Jesus could forgive, I could forgive, right? Because we must be willing to forgive others just as fast as we expect Jesus to forgive us. We expect Jesus to forgive us. That's the same way that we should be willing to forgive others. It's all right to be upset when people turn their backs, backs on you. But it's not all right to write people off in your life without talking to God about it first. Because maybe you're the only Bible that they're going to read. Maybe you're the only light that they're going to see. And I, I Brian, I want to invite you to come back up, man, but... I really do think that God has a strategy for our lives to heal broken covenantal relationships that we have. And perhaps through your life, he wants to bring some friends home and heal their hearts.
through your life with them. And, and guys, that's, that's what I'm praying into. Um, you know, I was having a conversation just this week about uh, the situation, just hanging out with some friends. And, um, you know, when you're a church planter, you go through ups and downs. You go through all kinds of different stuff. And, and you know, I've had friends who've been a part of our community that have astonished me uh, by deciding to turn their back on certain relationships. And, and I've been so hurt by that. You know, but honestly, today, I wouldn't be more happy if those people walked through the doors and, and got the chance to worship with us. To be honest with you, I feel like I'd save a seat for them. Like, man, I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that you're back. And I really do feel like it's a season for that. And here's why. I want us to make some declarations. I just want to share one more testimony. I really do feel like that's a season. And I, I think that it's for us as a, as a legacy family. When, when, when I was in Kentucky, when I lived in Kentucky, I had a dear friend who was a worship pastor. All right, and man, when I tell you guys, this guy was a passionate worship leader. This guy was as passionate as anybody I'd ever seen in my entire life. He was arrested over 60 times. He was a multiple felon, and God supernaturally taught him to lead worship in prison. And when he got out, was one of the most amazing worship leaders I'd ever heard. He was incredible. And he was a dear friend and super close to my family. And believe it or not, because of some things that happened, some situations that happened, there was a wedge driven between this friend and my family. And to be honest with you guys, because of all the stuff that happened, that was one person that I thought for sure would never, ever, ever, ever be back in my life again. Because, I mean, you guys all have had that experience, right? We were like, there's no way that dude's getting back in my life. Yeah, right. Not in a million years when hell freezes over is that guy getting back in my life. But maybe you have a relationship like this in your heart and you're thinking about it right now. You're like, but still, there's still something down in there. Somebody's hurt you real bad. They've, they've, they've said some bad stuff about you. They've slandered you. They've gossiped you. But there's something down in there you just haven't given up. You're like, man, there's just something about that person. Now, I might venture to say that that's a relationship that God ordained in your life. And I'm not saying that you should be abused. That's not what I'm saying because you shouldn't be. That's not God's ordination for your life. But maybe there's some reconciliation and restoration that God wants to initiate in this season through you to people who otherwise just, they don't see a light. They don't have any hope. But God wants to bring it to them through you. And just recently, guys, just two weeks ago, this same guy that, you know, really had a lot to say about my family that was not so nice. He started coming back to my parents' church. And it's so crazy because every time I would go up to preach, you know, at least every other time, he would show up and he would sit on the back row. And even though he didn't, he wasn't cool with my parents and he probably, you know, wasn't sure what to think about me, there was still something about our connection that kept him curious. And so he'd come back. Dude hasn't led worship for years. And just this past Wednesday, he was leading worship again in my parents' church. My parents told me about it. And, you know, honestly, I heard them say some things during that season that I thought to myself, man, the way that my mom has wept for this guy, stayed up through the night, wept for this family. I don't, know how, I don't know how they're ever gonna do friendship again. 
my mom told me the testimony. It was on a Wednesday night. He was playing the keys. He was singing. He's an awesome guy. I love this guy. And uh, my mom just walked over across the whole sanctuary, spotted his wife, walked over to her. She leaned over to my mom, weeping. And she said, we're finally home. We're finally home again. And I, I just think, guys, that God wants to restore relationships in our lives in such a way that it feels like home again. And if that's you, then I just want you to know, if you're feeling that, if you feel that in your heart, I just want to ask you to stand up because I, I just want to pray over you right now. If that's you, just stand up. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Just be courageous. Just stand up. If you feel like there's a certain relationship, maybe two or three relationships in your life that it, the enemy has just had his way with, then we're going to pray for you right now because we're going to pray for restoration and reconciliation. And we're going to pray this prayer of faith knowing and believing that God is, God is able to heal and that he wants to heal. So for those of you guys, if you feel that, just, just stand up real quick. And here's what we want to do first. We just want, just let God see your heart. Before we lay hands on you and pray for you, before anybody says anything to you, just let God see your heart. Say, God, I... We want this one home. Maybe, it, maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's a brother. Maybe it's a sister that you're estranged. We just, we want this one home, God. We want them to come home. So we call out right now for, for that one, whoever's on your heart. We call out for them right now. I'm partnering with you. We're agreeing with you. The whole room is agreeing with you right now in prayer. Come on, guys. All of us. Let's pray together. We agree right now for these prodigals. We agree right now for these lost ones. We agree right now for those that have hurt us, that have turned their back on us, have declared that they no longer want relationship with us. But God, we know that you still want relationship with them. So we just release peace to them right now. And we release healing to their heart right now. And we just thank you, God. We thank you, God, for bringing them into our lives because they've made us who we are today. The ups and the downs, they've helped to shape us. And so we thank you, God, for their presence in our life. And we acknowledge who they are before you, that you love them. And that at the, at the core of who they are, they have purpose and they have identity in you. So I just want to invite everybody to stand up together, please. And we're going to make some declarations together as a family. So just reach out, grab the person next to you by the hand. If this is weird to you, just try to get used to it. You're probably going to do it a lot in heaven. This is an eternal practice right here. Just coming around the throne together coming around the Father together because we're a family. And God puts the lonely in families. Psalm 66 and 8 says, God puts the lonely in families. And if, if you're here right now and you come into this place lonely, I want you to feel the hand of that person that you're holding right now and just know that you are invited in, that you are welcomed in to family. And just... Update your soul. You're not, you're not alone right now. 
you're, we're with you right now. And we see you. Thank you, Father. Why don't we just give the Father an opportunity to take a look around the table? You know, I imagine when I'm a granddad and all my kids gather for Thanksgiving, probably not going to have a whole lot to say. Probably just going to enjoy looking at all my kids hanging out together. Why don't we just give the Father just an opportunity to look around the table, say, Father, take, take pleasure. Take joy in what you see. Let's have a moment without fear of rejection and shame and condemnation or judgmentalism or comparison with one another. But let's just all be one around the table. Lord, move in our hearts, God. covenant relationships with our brothers and with our sisters, our moms and our dads, our aunties, our uncles, even the cousins that have showed up that we don't really like. We just acknowledge that we're one with them. Even though they push us to the limit, they're still a part of the family. Thank you, Lord, for the family. Thank you, God, for one another. So as you're holding hands, we're going to make a few declarations together. Here's the first one. Everybody just repeat after me. Say, I choose to look to Jesus as the author of relationship by his grace I will do friendship as he did that's the first one next one is this I refuse to give up pursuing deep and meaningful relationships I choose to pursue friends Here's the third one. I will maintain healthy expectations of people. I will not try and control or manipulate anyone. Rather, I will keep my heart open and be ready to receive new friends that God sends into my life. Here's the next one. I forgive covenant friends that have hurt me. For they did not know what they were doing. I pray for them. And I bless them in return. Here's the next one. God is restoring broken relationships in my life. And the last one, 
I am relationally strong. I am relation fit. <laughs> Amen. You guys can drop hands. So, Lord, I just, I just want to thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to hang out together. Here's what I felt just prophetically before we close, that tonight for some of you guys, I felt like there was going to be some renewals of some wedding vows. All right? So maybe for some of you guys in here, if you've just been going through it with your spouse, I just feel like the Lord said there's going to be some renewals of some wedding vows. Maybe If that's, if that's you... And, and you're like, man, I just want, I need to renew my wedding vows with my spouse. I feel like the Lord's on that in this season. I also feel like to tell you guys, some old relationships are going to resurface. Some people are going to call you unexpectedly. And they may not say, I'm sorry, but that's what they want to say. Because they're acknowledging your place in their life. And also just want to declare that new friendships are going to open up. And for some of you guys that have just struggled to forgive people in the past, that you're going to find an open door for forgiveness to flow in Jesus' name. So I just want to invite Kristen to come back up and close us out. But could we give just Jesus just a big hand and just saying thank you, God, for covenant friendships in our life. Amen. Thank you, Lyle. Can we also give a round of applause to Lyle for that? So good. I was telling Allison, I said, I was like, man, I'm in love with this series. <laughs> I love it. So good. Um, well, yeah, well, I just want to pray a quick prayer and then release all of us. God, we just thank you so much for what you're doing. We thank you for this series and just what you're doing in our lives right now and our relationships. I just really felt like my response to God and I was like, what are you doing in my heart? And I think he is just making us really healthy. So God, we just thank you for that. We, we press in further. We press in more. We press in when it's uncomfortable. And we just say yes, God. We just say yes to what you're doing. And we just thank you so much. We bless you all. Thank you. If we can have the ministry team come up, uh, if you need prayer for anything, we talked about tonight, anything else, healing. Uh, we have some people up here who will uh, pray with you and agree with you uh, for what God's goodness is in your life. And thank you so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.